go ahead and give me that sanity check. What? Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Herbie here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Welcome to Maximum Rural Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. And today, I have a wonderful co-host with me. I have Mark Reinhagen, the creator of Vampire the Masquerade. He is also the creative director and CEO of Lost Lorn Games. Welcome back on, sir. Hey, thank you. Yeah. And uh, our guest today is a noted and well-known uh, game host from Germany, um, uh, Marie uh, Strider, uh, who uh, basically is the face and voice of uh, a YouTube channel called Oakensplatter TV. I think I pronounced a couple of things wrong there. Sorry <laughs> about that. I'm sure you will correct us, and I'll still get it wrong. Um, she's written about 20 game adventures, modules, and supplements for uh, several different game systems and worlds, including uh, she's done some work on the early days of Lost Lorn which uh, some pivotal stuff came out of her creativity. So uh, um, anyway, uh, I think you're going to be very, uh, have a very interesting episode learning about uh, gaming in Germany. And I've been to her and her husband, Nicholas's convention in a castle in uh, Germany, which was absolutely spectacular. I got to live upstairs in the castle. And uh, um, I don't know, there's nothing like gaming in a castle. I got to say a real castle. So um, back to you guys. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that one because I did D&D in the castle in London. And now that there's a castle in Germany that does this, I might have to talk to you later on about that because I am all <laughs> about playing D&D in a castle. Uh, but welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I know that both the name of the channel, um, the YouTube and Twitch channel, and my name is um, quite unwieldy for non-German speakers. And well, even for German speakers, for some reason, I ended up with a unique name combination of Mairi Stritter, which is, uh, according to Google and other search engines, the only person with that combination worldwide, which is great That's for finding awesome. me <laughs> and terrible for, terrible for pronunciation. Gotcha. Right. Well, so <laughs> so tell us about your YouTube channel. What what's the the actual name of the YouTube channel? <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now, and I, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I living in Germany uh, for the last six years, I butcher everything. So I, I know how to speak restaurant German, and, and that's about the uh, the extent of my uh, my German. And even then, I get glared at. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, at least beer is the same in English and German. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, restaurant German is probably very easy, but uh, Orkenspalter TV is not very easy on non-German tongues, I know. And that's also, the name is so unwieldy and so weird because we've been around for quite some time now. I think we're coming up on, oh gosh, I, I'm actually not quite sure. I think at least 13 years that we've been doing this with the channel. The that's thing, incredible. Uh, 
yeah, the channel has been around a little bit longer. And that was actually, and, and that's, um, if you look at the URL of the channel, it's still actually called LNL fan. And that's because, um, my husband and my partner Nico, he used to do Terry Pratchett fan movies, fan films. And so he made this channel to upload his Lords and Ladies film. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that's, that's how YouTube started out for us. And then, um, that was a time when we we're not yet a couple, but then later on, um, when we were together at some point, he just said, how, how about we make videos together? And the name then was decided on because a friend of ours runs one of the oldest TTRPG forums in Germany, which is oh. called Orkenspalter Forum. And he, back then, he allowed us to use some of his server space because we were also video journalists and we had had to use some service back then. There was nothing such as WeTransfer or anything to right. just upload work we did to our customers. And he said, you can have server space. And in exchange, you make videos about TTRPGs for my forum. And that's how it all started. And, and at some point, it kind of just it gained momentum and we kept doing more for the channel and people came over and viewed the stuff. And, and at some point someone said, don't you want to start a Patreon? And we were like, what is a Patreon? I was about <laughs> to ask you about that. Yeah. Yes. And right now it's, it's one of our full-time jobs. There were two people with a few people helping out with a little bit of social media here and a little bit there, but Orkenspalter TV was just the two of us, Nico and me. And basically one of our incomes is just doing TTRPG stuff, talking about it, playing it, doing reviews. And um, well, and we used to do conventions back when oh, there were yeah, conventions. Back when we could do them. Uh, I'm actually looking at your YouTube channel. So long ago now. Yeah. <laughs> soon, it, it'll, it'll come back. I hope it will. I promise. I think. At some point, yes. Yeah. So looking at your YouTube channel, uh, it started October 23rd, 2006. That's incredible. That is so long ago. Uh, it's it 16,813,000 uh, views. That's incredible for that amount of time and uh, to involve into the, you know, tabletop D&D world for viewers and listeners and your videos. I'm going through all of them, it's, it's uh, quite a giant library it's a lot yes <laughs> you've done well um, I, I i even dare to say we've done too much <laughs> and at some point it got really hard to navigate all the videos and so um, nico is always going through it and rearranging things and making playlists so people find stuff easier because one of the reasons we do this is to get people engaged with a hobby with with role play games and so there are places exactly for people who are value and just want to know what is this, how does it work, and then there is playlists for people who are new to certain games. So we also do videos on how to start with this game, how to start with that game, um, what do you need, what what don't you need, and things like that. And then when Corona came up. And we realized that we were not going to be able to produce content with people in our studio anymore. We started live streaming our actual play sessions and that kind of spiraled. And now we are having several campaigns running in parallel and we had to make a new channel only for the actual play sessions because otherwise their main channel would be inundated in sessions. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I'm looking at your uh, your uh, Patreon right now, and it's pretty. I I like the the setup for it. The tiers are pretty uh, unique, and it's they're all in German, correct? Or do you yes. Have, okay. <laughs> and well, the thing is, our our viewership is I I think at least ninety percent German, and the last ten percent are well, at least German speaking people from um, well Swiss and Belgium and Netherlands and things like that. And then we have very few non-German speakers who are actually using our actual plays and our videos to learn German. So we've got a few people who, who run the videos through Auto Translate on YouTube and things like that and actually watch them with the automatic um, subtitles and uh, starting to learn German or at least gaming German by watching the videos. But those are few. So my, the very, very... High amount of people watching us, of course, are German-speaking people, and right. so everything is geared towards that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's you know, for the amount of stuff that I do for my podcast network, I have thought about uh, doing multiple languages so that you know the listeners, uh, because Maximum Role has a pretty big audience mm -hmm. of, of European, uh, uh, Asia, China. Um, the Middle East, it's crazy when I look at the map of all the places that download our stuff and I'm like, man, I should do more to, to go with the international population. So not assume that everybody should speak English uh, and, you know, help, you know, pass the word out that way. So it, I'm sure it's very, you know, it, it's nice when you get that international community to come in and listen to your stuff. And I, you know, I started watching your videos and, at first, I was like, "Oh no, I, I hope I hope she doesn't <laughs> think I speak German because I live in Germany." And uh, but you know, I this whole time I'm working on my masters uh, all day. I've been working on powerpoints and stuff, and I've been listening to your show. Uh, you know, getting bits here and there. I've, I've learned some German, uh, but the way that you do some of your, your episodes, you don't really need to know the language. It's more of like you what you're showing and talking about. You know, it all kind of comes out. So. Uh, it, I enjoyed it at least. I've subscribed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've been told that I have a soothing voice. Um, yeah. If I if I'm, I'm not there's you know when I'm surprised or when I'm under stress, I've been told that I'm kind of like screechy. But usually, my people say, <laughs> "Oh, I fall asleep to to listen oh, to your voice," yeah. and I take it as a compliment. Yeah, I. In, you know what? If That's someone did fall, yeah. <laughs> <It's a compliment. laughs> if someone fell asleep. Uh, to your library, they could literally listen to the entire library and wake up and do it a few times. Where if, you know, like for some other channels, you'd wake up listening to some weird, because uh, you go down the YouTube rabbit hole and you wake up to something strange. But I, <coughs> you have so much content that you'd still wake up to your voice. So <laughs> it, <laughs> Probably, it works yes. out. Uh, so what what got you into getting into D and D before before the channels and and all that stuff? What got you into it? When did you start playing and and going down that path? Actually, as many people in Germany do, I didn't start with D and D. Um, I started with a game called The Dark Eye or oh, Das Schwarze Auge. Exactly, <laughs> Mark already knows knows the story, um, and which is funny because that only exists because back when D&D was first translated into German, someone uh, tried to get the rights, but they kind of struck out with um, TSR. And then they decided we are going to make our own D&D in German and we are going to block the market. So 
that's how the Schwarze Auge came to be, but it became a lot more. So it's a very a game with a long tradition, with the living world, has a history that now spans a few decades, both in our world and both inside the gaming world. And that's how I started. And I, was, I think I was about 12. And someone gifted a box of the game to my parents know what to do with the TTRPG. But my brother and I, we just kind of worked our way through the box. And and back then it was actually and looking back now, it's also it's very out of outdated and very old schooly. But oh, yeah. back then there's a there's kind of a solo adventure in there. And it starts off with here's a story. And then at some point someone interrupts the story and says that doesn't make sense. If I was in that character's shoes, I would have done something different in the situation. And then you're invited. Okay, then now you decide. And so it's choose your own adventure thing. And that was the first of the kind I ever had. And, and this was like a mind blown moment. And that's how I started kind of getting drawn in, into the thing. And then my brother, who's um, two and a half years older than me, and he, he already had a little bit of an allowance that he could spend on this. And suddenly books became <laughs> came just piling in bit by bit. And we started off with The Dark Eye, and then we played lots of Shadowrun. Yeah. That was in the 90s. And then at some point I started playing World of Darkness. So thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you're, you're playing with your brother the whole time, just the two of you? Uh, in the beginning, just the two of us, and then wow. it was like um, we, we also took the choose your own adventure kind of things. And then I would read out the passages to my brother, and then he he decide what to do, and then I would try and kind of make it work with the decisions that were actually written down in the book, things like that. And then we started just trying <coughs> and infecting friends and neighbors. And at some point, I remember that in in. In German high school, in gymnasium, I had a group of only girls, and we were all playing Shadowrun. <laughs> that was an incredible fun, just just like 60 to 18-year-old yeah. girls shooting and blowing up stuff in fantasy, science fiction worlds. And D&D, I started playing D&D, I think, late into my teenage years, I think around 18, because until then... Um, the Dark Eye, Shadowrun, and things like that were far easier to get because Dungeons and Dragons at the time wasn't that big in Germany. And then with um, with third edition and three point five, I started playing it a lot more. Yeah, and I've and right now at the moment because we do reviews of so many different systems, so we've got cooperations with basically all the German publishers and with lots of international publishers, and so we're playing all across the board. So, we, of course, we're playing D&D 5th edition right now and several versions, like third-party stuff like Humblewood. I don't know if you know that. Yep. That is cutesy woodland creatures. But also Rime of the Frostmaiden. We're playing the Dark Eye in in kind of retro style. We're playing one of the biggest campaigns I've written for that is like world shaking big things happening we are playing lots of the freely games like forbidden lands we oh what else do we do warhammer fantasy in the fifth edition which i really enjoy also um cthulhu lots of cthulhu yeah yeah things like that so all over the place so it started with the dark eye and then slowly built up momentum and right now i'm playing everything that is not possible we can get hold of (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, any, anything that kind of kind of um, lands on my table that we can kind of squish somewhere into our timetables. Yeah, is your brother still uh, gaming? Um, my brother, I don't think he's actively gaming right now. So my brother um, went could completely different road in his life than me. Um, I, I stayed the nerdy kid and he's like settled down with three kids and wife and a, a very normal good job <laughs> <laughs> and i i know he's still interested and we sometimes talk about it um but i don't think he's actively playing right now which is also probably due to corona because yeah yeah, yeah. well he can't have friends coming over oh that's a good idea i might send him over something like um no thank you evil and then he can try and infect his kids yeah, yes there you go. We, we must all infect our kids do you hear the audience yep all children must game <laughs> yeah i'm trying to get my daughter to do it she's 13 and um she plays world of warcraft and those things so she she likes the visual things but i, I think you know, actual playing. I mean, she used to roll the dice for me when she was little, but uh, when I was playing second and, and third and GURPS and, and you know, uh, Palladium Rifts and stuff like that. But now she's like, eh. Uh, so I got my, my second daughter. She's one and, a, one and some change. And uh, so I got her some toy dice that she wrote, you know, throws around. So I'm trying. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Uh, let's see, looking, so I'm looking at your, uh, channel at some of the, uh, uh, other channels that you have on the stream. So are these other, uh, influencers or, uh, part of your campaign group or are they just people that are like, Hey, I want to do a, uh, a channel on your, on your YouTube. Uh, and they, what, what kind of stuff do they put out besides, you know, or is it all the same? Many people we play with are just friends that we used to play with for quite some time before we started taping it or live streaming it. And then other people who are on are also people who are game masters on their own channels where we do a little bit of, yeah, exchange programs, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who, and I, I really like playing with people who are also often GMing because they know how to make your job easier as a game yep. master. And then what we people we also have on, and that is some really fun thing when we play The Dark Eye, where we play the um, Barbarat campaign, which is this big thing. We actually have a few of the authors of the original campaign um, who are playing NPCs, basically coming in for one or two sessions and playing those characters. And just trying trying out how they work in our version of the story, and that was that was really cool. So, in Thomas Römer, who has kind of overseen one of the most important and one of the most interesting phases in in the development of the Dark Eye, and who's done lots of world building for it, he was so so nice <laughs> to join us for sessions and playing one of his NPC characters that he created back then as his his player his PC. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit, it's a potpourri of people who are just friends who are having fun playing with us, people who are playing with us because, um, we have kind of a cooperation going on and people who play with us because we very nicely asked them to, because they have written and created things that we love and who well have taken the time to just game with us a little bit. And have yeah. Fun. 
you know, I what you're that, saying in a humble way is that you're basically gaming with the who's who of uh, German gaming. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, yeah. and, and also with, with a few authors. So um, one of the biggest fantasy authors in Germany, um, um, Bernhard Henn. And he also wrote for, for The Dark Eye way back. And he joined us for a few Call of Cthulhu sessions and things like that. So oh, that's pretty cool. We've been lucky. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, it's always nice when you can get, you know, the creator of something to, to yeah. you know, jump in and, and hang out with them. And, you know, I was very fortunate. Uh, I met Mark through a mutual friend that does artwork for Lost Lauren. And, and uh, I used to play Vampire the Masquerade first edition and back in the day. And then now get to talk to Mark every day has been a uh, one of those things I never thought I would be doing. So being in our industry with, with having live streaming, YouTube, uh, Twitch, and all those avenues, uh, it's made it easier for us to reach out to those creators to to like, hey, how did you come up with this? Or even playing their games together. And I think that does make a huge difference. Uh, you know, it's like the ultimate fan nerd moment when you're like, hey, can you, you want to do a game? And they're like, sure, yeah. And they come and they join, <laughs> jump on your channel and stuff. And, you know, they might not, be doing it anymore and they might not be gaming, but then they, they jump in there and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I understand how I built this character. Or, 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 you know, the system, you know, it could use some tweaking, you know, stuff like that. So it's always interesting when you have those creators uh, right there and, and hanging out with you. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. It's um, to be honest, it's a little bit easier in, in the German scene because it's tiny. <laughs> So yeah. it's easier to kind of get the connections and to actually talk to to all the people, but it's 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 a weird and, and a great situation. That also um, one of the the dark eye back when it was first created, there were three people working on it. Two of them have died since, sadly, um, but the one surviving creator, he by now because we started out just interviewing him, but for some reason we clicked and by now we sometimes meet up online to drink wine and talk about stuff. Oh, so that's cool. And that's that's actually yeah. So the scene is is not that big. And once you start kind of getting the connections with a few people because you interview them and and if you hit it off, then it's very it's kind of just like dominoes. <laughs> Yeah. At some point, then you know most people who are working on RPGs in Germany because it's a small group of interconnected people. Yeah, I and you know it's awesome that Germany's. When I first got here, I went to the gaming store in Nuremberg, uh, Mega Games, I think it's called, or Ultra, Ultra Games, Ultra yeah, Comps. Ultra, oh yes, Ultra Comps, I went yeah. there. I went there all the time for three years. I lived um, near Nuremberg. Yeah, it was huge, and I was like, "Oh, so many cool things!" And then they had like a tiny D and D section, and then uh, I was like, "Well, what's happening?" And I didn't realize that Warhammer is such a big thing over here, and I think that's more common, easier game for folks to get into the Warhammer scene, especially in England. It's like that's like the number and, one. Yes, thing. in England, in Germany, not so much because the news. I realized if I, it's back as fifth edition, which is stupid but it's the fourth edition um a fantasy role-playing game um it's not been translated into germany yet i think so that's a bit of the problem but right i think it's going to to get traction dnd is getting bigger in german too so yeah i'm trying to put together a german game 
but some of my friends are like they're in it, and then they're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I want to play D and D, but they've only they only know you know a second edition. And I was like, perfect. I want to do a second edition game. It's been about fifteen years since I've <laughs> got to dive into it. So trying to get a German game together. Uh, but it's a lot harder now with Corona. It does make it difficult to to set up those uh, uh, those in person events. How is uh, the castle? So going back to the beginning, uh, Mark mentioned the <laughs> castle. What's, what's what's up with that? <laughs> that was. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to tell this in in as correctly as I can. Mark just jump in and tell me if I'm wrong. That's because um, when. The new edition was said to be translated of, of um, the World of Darkness was said to be translated into Chin. We met at a meeting for that. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was the it was the the big announcement party for fifth edition. Yes, which was which was kind of a weird setting. It was was actually a really posh place. There was also a castle, really nice place, and. Um, I think I was just walking around and feeling a little bit. <laughs> Mark was a very, very nice and, and friendly interview partner. I think after that, I kind of worked courage to ask him if he would be interested uh, in joining one of our tiny conventions because we do uh, for our followers, our community. We used to do one convention a year where we meet up on a castle. Which is it sounds special, but actually, well, castles are dime a dozen in Germany. So. Yeah, they're all. I have three of them near me, and I, I yeah, yeah, and a lot of them you can rent out, or they're 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 used for you know events, hotels. But, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a castle. <laughs> it's still you know, like from the American point of view, uh, you could say, oh yeah, they're a dime a dozen, but still. You have a it's game different. convention in a castle. That is yes. pretty yeah. freaking awesome. And and he he was he said yeah of course um, and uh, and then it was pretty just schedule that and go ahead and I think I remember you having a lot of fun because he also got kind of um, one of our followers he knew his way around Limburg which is a very beautiful city near to the oh, castle where we were. So, oh my good, oh that city. Yes, he was showing you around the medieval city center, and I think a very good Scotch bar. Oh, very! Nice. <laughs> I mean, only Germans can outdo the Scotch for having a Scotch bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty good Scotch bar. And and we were there to promote I Am Zombie back then, also, and we yeah, played nice. that. Yeah. And he did a setting that was actually then set in Limburg because he just came back um, from visiting. And also you joined us for playing one of the really old The Dark Eye Modules, one that we played basically a little bit ironically because it's so bad, it's good. And Mark basically crashed the party and said, what are you doing? Slightly <laughs> tipsy, I'm my dad. And we were like, oh, we're, we're just now um, taping the session and, and describing it. And then we just kind of did it back and forth, translating what we are doing. And he joined and, and, and at some point just kept blurting out, this is stupid. What is going on here? What is this game? <laughs> oh, no, I hope I didn't ruin it. No, no, no. You <laughs> had so much fun because you were absolutely right. And yeah, that was the convention. 
And after that, we kind of stayed in contact. We did a few interviews. And then when, when Mike decided to go ahead and work on Lost Lawn, which back then wasn't called Lost Lawn yet, I joined the team for quite some time. And so a few things that are still baked into the Lost Lawn DNA, I think the spinsters, yep. the very yep. early concept of the spinsters that came out of a chat group where I brought it up because... Um, and that came out of my background because I did a lot of uh, experimental archaeology and reenactment. And I was specializing in textile work. So I basically, I, I know what a spinster actually does in, in both if you're working with the wheel and with the spindle, a handheld spindle and things like that. Yeah, and that's still my favorite part of the, the setting. The idea that they're the storytellers and they're the ones almost the... the the masterminds behind the scenes manipulating events. So, yes. yeah. uh, you know, working on Lost Learn is it's pretty unique. Um, I don't write as much. I don't write like you guys write. I'm starting to dive into it. I'm more of an academic and business person. Uh, and I, but I want to get into that thing. I've because I've built my own worlds for D and D, and I've been playing so long. But to be able to go into all the chat rooms, I'm in like 25 Lost Learn chats, and I just you know, watch and see what happened. Occasionally drop in every so often, but uh, it's uh, interesting to see how you guys create, um, you know, entire sections overnight or a world or a race or a class or an item, you know, just stuff like that. Which is very unique. Uh, so it's nice to be at the ground level of something like that. One of those cool things of hanging out with a creator, uh, you know, like Mark and Lost Lauren, and so you've written up to 20 other uh, uh, adventures and modules and stuff. Why don't you, uh, can you tell us about those? Yes, I, I started off with writing for a spin-off of The Dark Eye. So The Dark Eye at some point started kind of expanding into other continents, <laughs> a bit like World of Warcraft. Oh, there's another continent we can play on. Yeah. Um, kind of not with the staying power, sadly. And back then, um, Murano, it was called, it was more, it, it was very much based on antiquity and Moorcock, eternal hero books and weird science. And people called it furries. <laughs> that happens right. when you have like uh, human-like animals, anthropomorphic animals and things like that. So it was <clears throat> kind of a very weird and unique thing. And uh, Nico kind of got me hooked on that because he put it in lab sessions in, in a lab campaign that was also part of. And then we hit it off with the publisher who had the rights um, to it at the time. And we didn't start with some tiny thing. We started with a big campaign. That's right. I don't know how, how many words. And this is the first thing ever published that I've written and um, the first one is I think at, at least 80 to 90 percent just me and then Nico joined me for a few things and that is still I'm, I'm looking back fondly on that book that's now 10 years or more past and it's, it's like this this thing looking back I know I do a lot of things different now but it's still not bad right. <laughs> and it had great story story points and elements and since then, I, I've written for a few monster manuals for the Dark Eye and Dark Eye spin-offs. And I've 
written three novels for The Dark Eye, which are now set to be released. So um, kind of the policy is if you're working on, on a series of books for the publisher of The Dark Eye, they wait until you finish the last one before they start publishing the first. Yeah. So... I've just seen um, two days ago they released the cover art and I'm I'm absolutely in love. It's it's gotten so beautiful. It's one of the best moments ever. If you when you first see the cover art, something you've written is just oh, this is going to be yeah, real. It's that's a that's a good feeling when you got to you know yeah publication of of, of books and and I mean, basically anything that you get published is you know a great feeling to have, especially if it's a piece of art that you picked and you're like finally. Uh, and you know, you know, writing and, and doing stuff for uh, the Dark Eye, uh, and like you said, you grew up playing that. Like that was something you you got the books mm-hmm. for, and you started playing. So it, it's got to be unique to now be you know part of their team or freelancing for them to to create into that world that you first started playing in, which is probably an uh, amazing feeling. <laughs> Yes, and, and also very weird. And yes, I do all my stuff freelance um, because I'm also basically the face for Orchestra and we are the biggest review site basically for TTRPGs in Germany. And, and so I'm, I'm never going to be kind of kind of settled down with the publisher because it would be too hard to not have those two jobs intermingled. Right. And so everything I've written was freelance. We've got an upcoming Thulu thing um, that will be scheduled for next year, I think, which is where we use the wonder that I've written for our actual play sessions and we work them out as fully fledged adventure modules. And I've also written and co written two books about game mastering, where it's just kind of explaining how to get into it without panicking and how to avoid mistakes that I've already made. So you don't have to things like that. So it's, it's a little bit of um, fully fledged modules, a little bit working out here and there with small things. I've written also a few pages for um, Shadowrun publication, a German one, which was also kind of a highlight because I used to play so much Shadowrun when I was a kid. And now three novels, so I kind of have my checklist where I can go, yes, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and now three yep. novels, ding! And now we're working on publishing two of the the worlds um, that have been kind of my babies for years now. So one of them is a Dungeons & Ranks 5e thing that we created for a long-running campaign that we had when 5e was first introduced to Germany. We started just with, oh, let's let's look at this and just play a few sessions. And then it became a thing that went on for months and months. And that we're working on to make publishing ready together with people uh, from Dungeon Fork, which, is, um, which are people from Vienna, from Austria, who have are working on software for creating maps. And they're very, very, very nice people who are working with us on, on creating a pretty book because I can write. I'm not an artist and I'm, I don't yeah. know nothing about layout. <laughs> and also one thing that I've been working on for 15 years now, which is my, my own baby low fantasy um spy story world thing lemna and so at this point we've worked on so many different things and um as a way we've written a full fate conversion for a 
point-and-click-adventure series, the German one, and which has been turned into role-playing games. So there's a lot of different things in the portfolio, and right now I'm finally at the point where I can, I, I can say I can take the time out of my schedule and I can put the energy into just working on my own things because people are actually interested in them, which is new. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got, you, you're, you're all over the place, which is great. I yes. think that's amazing. Uh, especially, and again, it all goes back to like, we've all started playing, you know, fantasy games and, and stuff like that growing up. And then now it's become like a business and a hobby and, mm. and it's grown so, you know, so big um, that, you know, you're able to have a bookshelf behind you eventually of all your stuff that you've done and, uh, you know, and go down that route, which is pretty neat. And, and uh, yeah, I like it. I hope to be an adult one day. Right now, that you can have a living. There's so many ways to make a living from gaming and have this community, you know, be part of it. It used to be you had to work at a game company and be a, a layout person or, you know, marketing or advertising or designer. <laughs> and now yeah. you can have everyone can have their own little business, you know, and do it on their own terms and work at home. And I think it's pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I think all told there's probably more people working in gaming today than even during the golden age, the early nineties, right? When all the right. game were pretty big. Probably. It's probably yes. smaller today, but there's so many people working their own, their own businesses. Yeah. And now, yes. you know, and it's, it, go ahead. Oh, now I was just about to say when, when we started out, we never expected to make money off this hobby, even the writing thing. And if you, if you're writing for um, role-playing games in Germany, that's not a lot of money. That's, <laughs> let's just put it like that. Uh, they can't afford to pay much. So it's just basically a hobby where you get a little bit of, of a payback on. And we never expected it to become a job that actually earns us something. And now we're at a time and at a place in the gaming industry where people start in the gaming industry to make money, which is a weird, weird thing to, to wrap your head around that this is now like a viable career, especially in the international yeah. business. Oh, definitely. Especially with, you know, being able to stream and, and record mm -hmm. radio or podcasts uh, to, to get that out there. Because even if you're not uh, creating a book or something, you can run a game with people from all over the world and then stream that and make that its own, you know, entity and growing from that. You have your viewers and subscribers and then you're able to afford to, uh, go to those levels of like, I want to put my world in, in writing now. And, and then, you know, you meet amazing people, like when you interview folks and it's like, oh, I get to meet the creators. I get to do this. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I think 20 years ago, uh, you know, it was very hard to get in this industry, uh, especially mm -hmm. you know, like in the 90s. It was virtually impossible, like, like Mark was saying, with the... Uh, you had to work for a company basically. And that, those are really hard to get into. Uh, and now, you know, it's everywhere. And, you know, it, at an international level, we're talking, uh, you know, in two different countries. Uh, and, you know, me and Mark are <laughs> from America, but Mark's, you know, he's in Georgia. Yeah, not, not Russia. Uh, I think when we first spoke, you mentioned something about Russia. And I was like, really? That's interesting. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I live overseas too, so I, can't I, I wouldn't make it long in Russia. Let me tell you, they, they would. 
Yeah. I was like, they have gaming in Russia? I mean, I could see it, maybe. Oh, they do. Know. Oh, they do, big yeah. time. Yeah. The LARP scene is huge, and they have their own uh, translations. And um, uh, um, they're for free. You, you don't pay for them, you know? Um, but, yeah, they have everything. Cool. I didn't know that. Miss, uh, five years back, we did a trip where we drove all the way to central China and back to pick oh, up nice. a dinosaur. That is weird enough, but on, on the way over, we stopped with a few kind of nerdy people on the way. And so we also stopped with uh, like a Russian gaming YouTuber. <laughs> and he gave us kind of an insight into into being an, an, a nerd and a gamer in, in Moscow and in Russia in general. And it was very interesting because it's it's a big scene and there's actually they... They have their own kind of subculture in meeting spaces, and you can actually also kind of make a living off talking about games and, and playing games in Russia. And but at the same time, <laughs> well, um, I'm not going to name names because he asked us to, <laughs> to not put it in in the documentary we made of this back then. But he openly admitted that he'd like to leave Russia as soon as possible because. Uh, gotcha. It's also not fun to be a weird person in Russia. So if right, you're kind right. of an outlier in any way, that's not, huh. not that easy. I had no idea. Oh, good to know. Now I want to go to Russia and, and check it out and, and, you know, experience that. And, you know, I, I love, you know, living in Europe. It's been very, you know, cool to go to, you know, I have a few castles near me and uh, I, I always bring mm -hmm. my dice out. And uh, I'll take a picture at Castle Ruins or something with all my dice. Or, you know, not all my <laughs> dice. I have too many dice to do that with. But um, that's how my wife gets me to go on these long trips. She's like, why don't you bring your dice so we can do a photo shoot? And I'm like, I, you know how to get to my heart. Because uh, she doesn't play D&D or, or any of those things. So she knows, like, the best way to get me to go anywhere would be like, you can take pictures with your shirts and your dice and all that stuff at the castle. And uh, so you got some pretty cool pictures of that. It works. Uh, yes. But, I, yeah, I think playing D&D in a castle uh, or going to a convention in a castle is pretty cool because, you know, there's not a lot of places out there that have those type of options. So, like, for us in, in Europe, you know, oh, yeah, I had stayed at a hotel and, you know, a couple friends we played, you know, a one-shot or whatever. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Help set the mood. Are you guys going to do another trip again, like to China, like you did last time? I don't know if we were ever allowed back into China. <laughs> oh, that's true. To, yeah. to, to be honest, because we did, um, we did shoot a documentary on that trip, <clears throat> and um, and okay, that would be kind of kind of too much background. Just just quickly, I studied sinology and East Asian history. Cool. Um, and. In, in German universities back when I started, you have to mix and match things. So it was Sinology, so learning Mandarin Chinese and also ancient Chinese, classical Chinese and things like that. But then also did ethnology and uh, European archaeology. So a whole mess of, of things that are very good for world building and building fantasy yep. worlds. Definitely. And so I, I started out really, yes, I'm going, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to learn the language. I'm going to meet the people and it's all going to be great. And then after one year of studying, I went to China and we did a tour. Me and a few other friends from who were also part of the same classes. And we managed to get it organized that we did backpacking, but we also lived in, in Chinese guest families for two weeks, things like that. 
And that was the first time for me being in the People's Republic. And I came back and I said, I'm not sure I want to do this because I love the people, but I really didn't like the state. And it's only gotten worse. So, um, And I repeatedly went back. And yes, every time I went back, things had changed more and more and more. And in many ways, for the better, for the people living there. So you can can see that some things are getting better, that people are lifted out of poverty. And that's one thing. But on the other hand, the government is clamping down more and more and more and more and more. Yeah. And that's something we also talk about in in the documentary. And <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if I ever get a visa again. So yeah, I can't way. go back to China. I've been out too outspoken on on, yes. on about it. So, so I, um, it would be dangerous to go back because they might let you in and not leave, right? Yeah. Ah, yes. That almost happened, to be honest, because when on the tour, our car broke down. Um, Two days before we supposed, or one day before we were supposed to leave China, and our visas were running out, and so we were stuck in in Western China in the Uyghur uh, Xinjiang province, wow. and then we stuck we were stuck there for two weeks waiting for the car to get repaired and for our visas to get renewed. But that was also Golden Week, so <laughs> the one time of the year where where everything in China shuts down for holidays. Yep. So, yes, so we were stuck in, in the Uyghur regions in the far west in Kashgar for quite some time. And since then, I've also been lobbying is not the right word, but I keep talking about the fact that the Uyghur people are being Genocide. destroyed. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's also and that's a thing that Chinese government doesn't like. All the lenses on smartphones are made by Uyghur slave labor. And many of the masks that you need to wear for to to protect yourself and other people against the coronavirus are also made in working camps. All Chinese, Chinese. Chinese. Oh. Yes. So um, <laughs> about, this is a dark about, turn to the interview. I know. <laughs> would you? No, not not really. I mean, it's just an insight. I mean, a lot of people don't know. So, what about doing a convention in Germany? I know that's a little bit harder to do because the so many levels of getting permits to do anything here. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's like an uphill battle on everything. Cause you have to get permits and it's like, how do you have a permit? Do you have a permit to do this? Do you have a permit? But would you do something, you know, local? Yes, of course. I mean, small, uh, small scale conventions. So the, our, our convention is like 70 people maximum, usually back when we did it. And, around that scale, of course, again, and also slightly bigger scale. And then it's actually, you, you can work with that. And then you, you're only, the only thing you need to have in Germany is insurance, 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 yeah, insurance. And <laughs> once you've worked out how to do that, how to, in, in, to ensure something like that, it actually gets easier. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I would do that again. And I'm actually looking forward to doing that again and, and having gaming sessions with lots of people and just kind of, kind of being there and seeing people running games all, all over the castle and everywhere yeah. and people are doing something. And then you go to bed and then, you, and then when you get back up, people are still sitting at the same table playing the same game. I'd be... I would love to go, even though I'd have to have a translator next to me 24-7. But I'd love to be there to experience that. Uh, and not well, usually, English, it's, it's okay. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm always surrounded. A lot of Germans, are, if, it's all about, you know, introducing and, and you attempt to talk in German first. And, and I've learned that over the years because when I first got here, it's like, do you speak English? And they're like, nope, I don't speak English at all. And they'll walk away and you're like, well, they said that pretty 
pretty good. But you know, I've, I've learned that you know, it's a, it's a culture thing. You gotta you gotta attempt first, and so that's how my wife is always. All right, every time we travel, she's like, all right, try to learn how to say hello and hi, and uh, and and ask like a regular question, uh, and then you know. Try to do that before you just go and go, I'm lost. I need help. I'm American. You know, I never say that, but I'm just like, I need some help. Um, right, well, right I'll, now, the, uh, I've been told the good, the, the really good trick is to tell people that you're Canadian. Yeah, that's can't tell that accent apart. And I was about to say that. I have a friend, he, he's German from Munich. He speaks really good English. And when we, we went to a hotel and the lady's like, uh, she was just talking to us, and she's like, "Oh, uh, your German's really good." And he's like, "But I'm I am German." She's like, "Oh, well, your English is very good." He's like, "I'm from Canada." <laughs> I'm like looking at him like, "What?" And uh, there is so much more helpful, and I'm like, "I understand. I get it. I get it." You know, so. I'm very sorry. You're, let's let's just put it like that. Your international oh, no, politics yeah, no. have been I'm, the best. I'm no, I you know, knowing the states and and the way that works, I have no uh, ill will against it. Because this is an old backpacking trick: is that in certain countries, you definitely have a Canadian patch in your backpack, yeah. and you put it on. Because you know? <laughs> yeah. America. I wouldn't commonly do it, but I did have a backpack that was two-sided, a two-wade, and one way that was normally inside, I would flip it around, and that would be that would have the Canadian flag on it just in case if I was somewhere where it was getting sticky. Yeah. You know, there are places where America is hated, really, really hated. Yeah, but when you go to America as, as as visiting, then you know Americans don't try to learn any other language other than American. I'm sure I'll hear something about that, but it's true. Uh, being in the military and being all over the U.S. and, and working internationally, and, and you know, I've worked with uh, 15 different armies, and they all know English because they're like, "Oh, it's the easiest language to know," and it'll be like six different Baltic countries that were standing around each other, like, "Oh, we just speak English because it's easier for you folks to like get on board with what we got going on," and you know, stuff like that. But like in the states, we wouldn't take the time to learn German uh, unless we really had to. Uh, so I, I, I never feel bad. I feel more bad that <laughs> I didn't try hard enough to learn the language since I live here and have been for uh, so long. So, yeah. I, but I'd love to come to the uh, convention, even if uh, I couldn't speak. I'd just sit there and, and roll dice and then be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. Or move my little <laughs> miniature around. Uh, it, it worked out for Mark. He doesn't speak German either. And yeah. also, um, we I usually speak have... German. <laughs> you speak what? Drunk German. Yeah, yeah. Drunk German, yes. I do that too. <laughs> at, some point, you know, at some point, language has become easier. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, yes. it's incomprehensible, but, you know, <laughs> in my own mind, I'm talking away. Yeah. And also, um, the husband of a, of a good friend of ours, who's also a good friend of ours, um, he usually is at the conventions. He's a Brit, and he usually runs an English game for people oh, who cool. are interested See. in playing in English. Well, you got so, me sold. Um, so whenever that comes back, <laughs> okay. you know, I'm there. If it ever comes back, yes, depending uh, on, on on when, hopefully not if, when we beat the coronavirus in Germany. I think I think in my area, uh, yeah, in my area where I'm at, uh, hopefully next month, September, I think 10th is when they're like, estimated to like – Everything's, you know, good to go, 100%. I think uh, <clears throat> August, they're going to start letting 
uh, not August, uh, next month or the month after, you let Americans come over if they have their vaccination cards and, and they're good to go. They'll Because the tourism's really big over here for that kind of stuff. So hopefully they'll open up conventions. I know the states are opening up conventions uh, because, again, the states don't care about, you know, massive pandemics or anything like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the rest of the world's going to be like uh, Australia. They're not worried about, you know, Corona because they're back to normal because they don't have the amount of cases. And I think Germany, uh, even with all the lockdowns that we have been in, uh, just walking around, I don't feel like we're in a lockdown. I don't feel like uh, that stuff. I mean, you get a fine for not wearing your mask walking down the street. And the polls I come out of nowhere. I, I never see their cars, but they come out of nowhere. <laughs> and you're like, what? And they don't care. They just like, here's your ticket. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> you can't talk your way out of it. Yeah, no. But, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. At some points, you walk around and you feel like, Okay, am I the only person who's actually trying to self-isolate, and not yeah. not have any social contacts? It's and if it, if any way possible, yeah. But I don't know. Just um, betting on vaccines, hoping that people kind of yeah. can keep it together for two <laughs> just more a, months, just maybe. a little bit longer. Yeah. I yes. mean, my village is only. I have 12 houses in my village, and so oh yeah, we're a very small community, and so like we have one store. Uh, and the military base is, you know, like 15, 20 minutes away. So uh, our little village, I don't feel like, uh, you know, feel it too bad. And we, I think they're still planning on doing their um, uh, their fest, the Fertlings Fest that they have going on over mm -hmm. here. So hopefully uh, can get a nice three liter beer, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> and I know that... This year, the Oktoberfest is already cancelled. I know. So. My wife has like sent me the picture, and she's like, "It's cancelled." I'm like, oh, "It's already cancelled." Wow, yeah, yeah. it's already cancelled. Yes, because it's international. And it wasn't last year either, obviously. No, mm -hmm. and you have to get your table spot like now. You basically once you get a table and you sign up for it, you have to basically as soon as you go re-sign up for the next year, or you lose your spot. So <laughs> they cancel it now. So uh, I was hoping the one in Stuttgart, which is the one that we go to, and I feel like that's the the German uh, Oktoberfest. It's the same setup, but not a lot of Americans go to it or international folk. I think the one in Munich is the big international one and the other one set up the same way, but half of the people. And it's amazing because you can sit down and not have to like fight to get a seat. And you can actually afford the beer probably yeah, yeah. i've well, never i've never been to one that's not i'm i'm, I'm a different kind of german I, I hardly drink beer and i don't i don't oh like to watch football God. so i'm the weird person yeah yeah um so yeah. yes Gamers, just, all the same i want to do i want to do a game session at oktoberfest or at least the one in in uh, stuttgart because you can get an actual table and sit down and and hang mm -hmm. out as long as you have the beers coming. I think it's a bit loud for gaming to be to be kind, kind know, of like fun. you'll have drunk people coming over going, "What are those things?" and then picking them up and oh yeah, know. yeah. Fun fact about uh, Oktoberfest for all those listeners: uh, you can't actually walk around the fest grounds with the beer. You have to be in a tent. Uh, so it's not like the movies; <laughs> you, you don't just see people walking around with with you know giant glasses. Uh, my first Oktoberfest, I didn't get a beer. Because I couldn't get in a tent, uh, and then I, I did get in a tent, but I couldn't sit down. I just—it was like herding cattle. 
Uh, you just watch people yeah. walking. You try to get one while you're in the tent, like walking around. Uh, but yeah, it's, I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, so my second fast, I had a table. So I was, I was you came prepared. Yeah, I was planted. Luckily, uh, you know, as a group, we were able to get back to the hotel. Uh, luckily, none of the wives were with us. It was just all the guys, and <laughs> it was a train wreck. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, it'd be really cool to do a, a, a you know a convention here. Uh, I wasn't sure if there were any conventions. I know there's some in in England uh, that happen quite a lot, but I didn't know if Germany had. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we do. Um, there's the, they are kind of spread out, and many of them are, are smaller in size. We don't have something like Gen Con, um, right. but there's a few. Here and there, and the thing is that in in many cases they're part of a bigger gaming convention, which is actually just like family games, and then you also have have a little bit of a gaming convention which is part of that, and then also you have the different publishers, and they usually have their own convention. So we've worked a lot with Woolwork or Clockwork Publishing. <laughs> we basically also share like the mascot. We've got a mascot which is an angry owl, <laughs> and they kind of took it over, and. So they have their own convention with their games. And right now, at least, many of the different publishers have gathered together to do one big online convention, which is called the Conspiracy Convention. And at least then there you have three or four different publishers who are working together to kind of make an online experience that is as close to the real-world convention as possible. And, well, I'm kind of hoping that once... Once we can have physical conventions back, this might carry over into the real world that we're going to have one of a, bi a bigger TTRPG convention where several of the publishers work together to make it happen. Cool. All right, and the other ones are mostly like privately run. There's uh, Vereine. Um, Verein is such a German thing that I'm kind of grasping what the what the English word is. Just. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm going to Google it. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, again, when it comes to like having the insurance or doing a group gathering in, in Germany, it's it's like it's all about the permits and and the insurance. But if you go on a walk or something, or you go to like uh, castle ruins, there's no guardrails or anything. So it's it's you could just easily just fall off the edge of something we're in the states they have like huge railings and stuff like that so it's <laughs> it's funny when they're like you have to have these permits or insurance and all this stuff but you go to these natural sites there's no protection you just uh like the cliffs of moser you can just go right off the side you can literally like, there's a <laughs> there's a little wooden fence that like any any person can just break through it or it ends <laughs> and then you're just walking on mud and you can go right off the side uh, yeah, it's at your own risk. That's what all the places tell you around here. It's like, well, it's at your own risk. So if you go up this giant mountain and you go to the edge and you accidentally fall off, that's your fault. You know, <laughs> you can't you can't yeah. blame us or sue us. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, survive, that's yeah. Now, when back when we did more LARPing, we did a lot of live actual role playing games, which are also not happening right now. We we got so lucky because we did the stupidest and, and most dangerous things and we'd never had a, a serious injury. And looking back, that was just simply luck. So we, right. we had a session where we played at night in 
um, something called a stone labyrinth where you have lots of crevasses and yeah. little hidden nooks and crannies. And it was also snowing. Wow. <laughs> so half, half of it was, was covered in ice. And there were, there were a few close calls, like Nico at, at one point slipped and stumbled and slid into a scene. <laughs> oh my God. Literally. <laughs> but, Did you find a young Tom Hanks there and, and you know, behind the labyrinth? <laughs> Um, no, unfortunately not. That would, um, I, I, I'd always pick up very nice and handsome international stars on my LARPing games, but never happened. No, the only thing that happened is that I nearly broke my leg because I got stuck in a rabbit hole. Oh my <laughs> Things gosh. like that. But it was always nearly, so it never really happened. But yeah, that is LARPing in Germany. It's very unsafe at some points. That's how Germ Germany's like, oh, you almost, I'm like, it could have been bad, but you're okay. You're walking away. Yes. It's like, like yeah. in the States, you sprain your ankle. It's like, you, you just shut down that entire business because you're like, I'm suing you. And, you know, in Germany, it's like, good luck. <laughs> That's the one thing I like about Germany is uh, uh, your home, the the main phone lines. Uh, it's illegal for them to advertise uh, through phones, so I never get the two a.m. Uh, call for trying to sell something because you can't uh, commercials on TV. They can't do it. So you know that's the one benefit. When I we get like back our to privacy. Stuff, yeah, like back in the States, as soon as I landed, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, I didn't even get a phone yet. <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> on, I'm just on Wi-Fi using a, 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 you know, an app number and I'm getting, you know, telemarketer calls. So that's one benefit of living in Europe. And I hope my wife listens to this, which she doesn't listen to any of my uh, uh, <laughs> things that I do. But, you know, I want to stay because <laughs> it is only convenient. Ist seit über zehn Jahren die oh. Anlaufstelle für Pen and Paper. Sorry. Yes, that was the channel trailer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Luckily, I've had that pop up in my headphones several times because I was getting all your links. Uh, and I'm like, oh, no, I thought there was more. <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I mean, and it's awesome that you do your own um, commercials and, and, and stuff like that. Like you don't outsource it to someone else and you uh, – You know, you're We'd very, have to have money to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you're very photogenic, and so or I think that's oh, the you. proper term. Uh, to where you could, you know, do all your stuff, and you you you're not you don't hide behind anything, and you know you're willing to like get in front of the camera. And I still have a hard time. That's why I haven't really released too many uh, videos, mostly because I can't get my team because they're all from the U.S to like want to do that. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to do all the stream and I don't do that. I'm like, well, that's our, that's the next level of gaming. We have to, you know, start doing that or we're not going to get. <clears throat> yeah. You have to do it. I think everything's moving that way. Like I know a lot of podcasts I used to listen to like Tesla time news, for instance, where, where they went from podcasts and they went to video and he quadrupled his audience in like two months. Yeah. You know, Ew. And, and so, you know, it, it, like, like going to video is everything. People still listen to it, you know, as a podcast, but then they can also watch it if they want to, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's basically both. Yeah. But yeah, it's surprising. Like the bandwidth now is no big deal. So you can download it as a video. It doesn't matter to most people. Yeah. That's the one thing I wish we had. Uh, in Germany, my internet again. I live in a tiny village, so uh, and that's the one cool thing about German laws is that the the internet companies can't sell you the 
the high-end stuff if it's not provided. Or like in the States, uh, you might not even be able to get that level of service, but they'll sell it to you anyway. Uh, <laughs> because they Are can. you allowed Star Lake in Germany, or is that banned? Uh, I'm not sure. Are you allowed to do what? Starlink? Um, it's we don't have coverage yet. I'm I'm uh, actually waiting for that because that would mean that I could work from anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so far, internet like um, internet coverage in rural areas in Germany is still not that great. And I get, I get eight meg both ways here, <laughs> so it's like, it's rough. Yeah, I'm. I'm Oh, I'm 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 lucky. I'm 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 living in a really tiny place too. But um, the place I'm in right now was used by an IT company before we were here, and they got oh. like got really fast internet. <laughs> Must be nice. You yeah, that yes. across the then? Will you still have that a, a hundred feet away? <laughs> Is it, come again, the cuss. Your new, what? your new, your new apartment. Will you have? Uh, we, we, it's 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 the same, yes, and and also again, I'm basically living on the grounds of a castle. <laughs> yeah, see, so it works. Oh, really? That's, that's another cool thing about Europe or oh, about Germany goodness. is that all the houses are made out of uh, concrete, basically. And so, like, for me to hang anything on my walls, I have to have a diamond tip drill just to <laughs> hang a picture. But you know what? It it stays warm uh, in the winter. It stays cool in the summer. Uh, the noise is really low. Uh, only bad part is if you use Wi-Fi devices, you have to have extenders like really close to each other uh, from your your modem because again, it's trying to go through concrete, <laughs> which makes it really hard. Uh, but it, I do like that the system, except for hanging things. Like I'm sitting there drilling a hole with a massive drill, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm just trying to hang this little eight by twelve, you know, <laughs> picture. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we have people for that here. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Must be nice. No, we like to do it ourselves in Germany. If you can't, you, you can't. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you live in a high rent country. You know, like uh, yeah. Georgia, it's almost immoral to do it yourself. You should hire someone. Nice. Okay. The work. I mean, Bavaria actually is a huge economy booster for Germany. I think we cover a majority of the the states here uh oh that's uh, everyone is going to tell you that in bavaria because they <laughs> they also they also get money back from the rest so yes. i mean uh, I, I wouldn't say that i'm a uh a, a major economist but I, I am doing a lot of economist classes and stuff and being in europe all my stuff is at the corporate level now international corporate i'm getting my international business uh mba it's, but yeah, Bavaria is a, a larger portion of the GDP for for Germany, but it's mostly because a majority of the people in farming is from from this area, and so that yeah. the growth of the country. But yeah, most of the other states, you know, do contribute. Uh, I do love the fact that Germany can fit in in Texas, uh, my home state or country, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> And you could drive for 12 hours in Texas and still be in Texas, where if I drive 12 hours from here, <laughs> I'll be in London, uh, which I am going to do before we move because I want to I want to do that. I have a lot of friends in, in England uh, and then just being able to drive there uh, sounds really cool. But you, you mentioned that you, you have castle ruins uh, at your house. That's another cool thing about. Oh, no, not, not ruins. I'm, I'm living on the grounds of. A place that has been built, I think, in the 17th century. Yeah. And 
it, it used to be the the also oh, palace. Oh, okay. Right. I, I see. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's 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 rather it's rather small. It's rather small, Tiny but it still lived in uh, lived in. Um, and it used to be the local noble family, but uh, some a few generations back, like just people who wanted to brew beer bought it, and the family yeah. of the beer brewers from back then are still living there. And it's by now it's a huge uh, agricultural complex, but lots of the old places that you had to have back uh, last two centuries back for mm -hmm. agriculture now are just living spaces and bureau spaces. So uh, right now I'm sitting in their um, granary. Granary is the word. Yep. In the former granary and we are moving to the orangery, so where you had exotic plants. So what you're saying on. is when you run a game at your house, it's like playing in a castle or a palace. <laughs> Uh, no, so that's too too romantic. I'm I'm we're playing in a very in a very nice building that was erected in 1902. Yeah. So not not castle-ish. I, I I think might be the whole thing here with with the big house. But right, um, right, right. We li we're living on the outskirts. So we only game in the throne room, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is only 20 you know feet away. But you know, yeah. I got it. You know, it's been really nice having you. And before we end, uh, I always do a scenario. And since you're mm -hmm. our first international, well, not our first international person, the first uh, German international person I got to, uh, you know, interview. We, uh, we, so we did this thing, uh, 1980s, you know, because that's when I started playing D&D uh, in the basement. I was in my, you know, family basement with the one swinging light. Uh, and so... You're given, uh, you're stuck in this basement for 24 hours with one other person, anybody, living or dead. Uh, okay. You get one core book of any game system, plus one book, because that's what every dungeon master does. You get plus one. Uh, any set of dice, and I added dice because I interview a lot of dice makers, and dice making is a huge thing now. Uh, so I, your favorite set of dice. Uh, I'm surrounded by dice, and I print my own uh, Dice Masters, so I, I love them. Uh, you get any type of food or drink uh, typical to a gaming session, or depending, like, you know, your palace setup, the winery, you can just grab a <laughs> barrel. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's you or the other person can DM uh, the game. So how, how would that look? Okay. Um, I'm going to choose Terry Pratchett. May you rest in peace because he's been a great influence and in many things that I do. And I and it was kind of always very close to maybe meeting him at some point, but never did. And I would like to introduce him to Warhammer Fantasy role playing nice. because I think there would be a lot of things that he'd like about it. And he would have a very unique, very great spin on it. And uh, I, put down as a plus one book actually the new version of um, the enemy within campaign because it's it really holds up in the new version and i think there are great moments in there with npcs and with the shuffle fest in the in the first one that would be such a great session with someone like sir Pateri. right <laughs> and, and well for drinks um 
and the dice need something really nice to hold in your hand. So I'm, I'm a fan of old school plastic dice with rounded edges. I don't get why people want to have sharp edges. They don't, <laughs> no, don't feel nice. No, no. no. Gotcha. All right. All right. I like it. Uh, what about you, Mark? I don't oh. think I did this with you last time. I was too yeah. stars, okay. too, 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 uh, uh, starstruck to uh, to ask Mark these questions, but now. So, it's, uh, who would I want to game with, or who would I want to talk with? I would say game, uh, and who would you want to you or them run the game? Uh, and all right. Uh, whew, um, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't want to say it because I'm going to get in trouble, but um, Robert Heinlein was like the seminal influence on me as a kid. And the reason I'm a leftist libertarian is that he had this ornery libertarian side, but he was more centrist right. I'm very left libertarian. So I would love to have a game with him and his, uh, his second wife. Uh, they were pretty cool. They were like, um, they were like swingers and pretty, pretty fun, I guess. And so right. I think they would be really open to. I'm not. I don't want to swing with them. I just think that they would be. <laughs> That's they would right. be open. They would be open to gaming, right? This is you your know, 24 if, hours. I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not watching it. So. <laughs> they might expect something different out of role playing games. <laughs> yeah, like, Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oops. Oh no, no, no! I didn't mean that kind of role playing. Hold on. Uh, anyway, uh, I think he's a very fascinating guy, and I don't think he, you know, believes all the stuff he put in books. He just put them in the books. But, um, but anyway, um, uh, the D would be definitely D ten, right? I would just any D ten is what I want to be uh, buried with. Um, I love D tens. Um, and what was the other other part of it? Uh, food and snack, kind of. Uh, what's oh, food and yeah. snack. I guess it would be. Uh, uh, whiskey. Ooh, nice whiskey, scotch. Yeah. You know, nursing a whiskey over a long game session is a great way to go. Yeah, yeah, I find myself doing that every time I game. Um, or, you know, I wouldn't say nursing, but enjoying. All right, fair enough. Uh, gee, I guess I've done, uh, this will be my sixth, fifty. Eighth, uh, I've done a lot of these, so I try not to circle back. Um, but uh, I think I haven't done it yet, but I would play uh, with my wife, even though she doesn't play D&D or, you know, get into that world. So I'd spend all my time trying to explain it to her. Uh, but I think she would have a lot of fun uh, doing that. Uh, we would have uh, some white wine, her favorite. Got to keep her, you know, happy. Uh, and I, I, you know, I do like the D10 system. So I, we would do Call of Cthulhu because she died. She does like uh, like murder mystery stuff like that, so we would uh, do that, and then uh, we'd probably have uh, grilled cheeses, which is her favorite um, snack. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's what I would do. I'd have my wife and family there, uh, or just my wife. But uh, I'd love to to thank you for coming on and, and taking the time to hang out with us, and and you know tell us about your your huge library of stuff that you're doing and, and I hopefully we'll have you back on when you have your, your book come out and you can promote it in the U S that way. You know, I'll be your, you're an American uh, podcast <laughs> uh, 
promoter. <laughs> oh gosh, that means I have to translate it into English. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know, there's a huge <laughs> audience my, for it. Yeah. But that's my other job. So I, when I'm not doing TTRPG stuff, I'm a professional translator for, oh. for games, usually video games, because they pay better okay, for gotcha. playing games. So yeah, maybe at some point, but first, first get the things ready to, to work in German. Oh yeah, yeah, because definitely. it's also for the community. But exactly. yeah, thank you so much for having me on, and yeah, um, I'm also looking looking forward to your next guest. You've already teased to me who's going to be on yeah, the next I'll, session. I'll, uh, that'll be a big one. I'm gonna make sure that he shows up on Saturday, but I hope he does, and uh, I'll definitely keep you on the loop on that one. And uh, yeah, I didn't think when I started doing this eight months ago that I would have the amount of people that I've had on. Like I just had Satine Phoenix and, and her husband on and I'm doing D D in a castle with them this year again. And uh, you know, just meeting folks like you like I didn't know there's a community over here of of players. So when you do have a con, let me know because I will make the trip and I, I love castles, so I'd love to <laughs> to try it out and, and just to watch you guys uh LARP and stuff. So again I I will let you know once it starts up again, yes. Cool. Awesome. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise and much more you can find maximum roll on apple and spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast if you want to be interviewed on the show just email us at maximum entertainment at gmail.com or instagram at maximum underscore roll underscore entertainment underscore llc and if you like Maximum Rule, check out some of the other Dungeons & Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Rule Entertainment Podcast Network, such as, uh, you know what, I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for unique and fun twists to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This fun-filled homebrew game takes our adventurers from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, and the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere else you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Just search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun. Hey, hey, stop on by dnd420.com. We're a guild of role players brought and bound together by Common Drive, the love of role-playing games. We bring our individual skills and personalities together to breathe life into the worlds and games created by our game masters. We also offer podcasts such as Late Night with Jess and Jam. We have custom content, a bestiary for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, and a Discord server where you can find games or just hang out and make new friends. That's dnd420.com. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers. 
to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos. This is Mark Reinhagen, creator of Vampire the Masquerade and all those other monster games. If you like what I did before, you're going to love the Accursed series of games using a narrative version of the D20 5e game system, in which you play cursed beings in a dark fantasy setting called Lostlorn. I'm working with a collective of artists, writers, and game designers called the Tailspinners to bring this world and these games to life, and you're welcome to join us on the ride. We are releasing a new zine every month, uh, which in a series of six, detail and outline a unique and amazing campaign setting. We started with Bloodstone Isle and are moving next onto Invictus, the city of bridges. For a nominal sum, you can get these delivered to you monthly on Patreon. Just type in patreon.com backslash lostlorn. Thanks for listening. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are more popular than ever. But with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. One-on-one -on -one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away. Mm -hmm. 